Welcome to another episode of the Rope a Dope podcast. I'm your host, Gene Morgan. We have a great guest for you guys today. Former light heavyweight champion of the world, Lou Duval, will be on the podcast. New York's own Lou Duval is going to be on the podcast. Really looking forward to that. Before we get into that, <laughs> I would love to touch on the fight between Vasily Lomachenko and Teofimo Lopez. Oh my God. First of all, Good job, get uh, to top rank for managing to pull off this fight with, so far, I haven't heard anything, but so far, no positive uh, coronavirus tests have uh, ha- have uh, occurred. So good job on them. Uh, but I'm just so glad that I didn't make my predictions public. I don't think I can ever predict a fight again. I don't know shit about boxing. <laughs> I thought for sure Lomachenko was going to go through Lopez. I mean, I thought this fight wasn't even going to be close because, I mean, Lomachenko has the reputation of, you know, just being this outstanding amateur. He won a title belt in his third pro fight, fought for a title in his second pro fight. And the only reason he lost that fight was that the guy he was fighting came in, I think, 20 pounds heavier. So I thought Lomachenko for sure was going to win. But, I mean, Lopez just fought a great, great fight. Now... Some of the scorecards were a bit lopsided in Lopez's favor, especially, well, one of them was the 119-109 one by, I believe, Julie Letterman. That was her uh, That was her scorecard. Don't agree with that. I thought the fight was way closer than that. I thought Lom- uh, Lopez won by two rounds, give or take. Because the first half of the fight, it was all Lopez. He was doing everything. He was going to the body well putting Lomachenko on the ropes. He was doing everything right. And then the second uh, half of the fight uh, just looked like he was going to run out of steam. I thought Lomachenko was going to knock him out. I really, really thought he was about to finish him. But, I mean, Lopez just had that brilliant 12th round, and now, uh, yeah, he was able to uh, hold on, and he won the fight, fair and square. Now he's a unified lightweight champion of the world. And now you got to think, where do they go from here? Because... A rematch between the two, I would love to see, but I don't know if that's happening. I could see Lomachenko possibly going back down to 130 or even 126. Uh, as for Lopez, he might actually go up to junior welterweight. And I was just thinking, you know, he's only 23 years old. He's 23 years old, and he's already a unified champion. He could, he could fill out some more. And maybe one day down the road, we could see Lopez Crawford. For a, for a welterweight title fight. That would be amazing. But great fight, great fight, and I had so much fun watching it. Okay, and with that, that was our my recap of the Lopez-Lomachenko fight. Stay tuned. Here is my interview with Lou Duval. Great interview. Uh, enjoy, guys. I was actually just uh, discussing, but I was really impressed that they were able to hold off the Lopez-Lomachenko fight, that they were able to do it, you know, given everything. Yeah, that was impressive. So what were your thoughts on that fight? Well, I, I, um, um, I was going with Theofe because I met him when he came out the Olympics when I was in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I met him and his father. They were nice guys that they wanted to be Floyd, right? And Floyd had a birthday party at the Palms. You understand? Mm-hmm. Um, so I introduced him to Floyd. Oh. It was at the steakhouse. I introduced him. I said, Floyd, because I was watching Teofane bar in the Mayweather gym when he came out the Olympics. Mm-hmm. You know? So I was watching him spar. He was beating everybody up. <laughs> so I went up to Floyd. Floyd wasn't around. So when I see Floyd in his birthday, um, I said, uh, Floyd, um, this kid right here, he just came out the Olympics. This guy's going to be champ. You know what Floyd Mayweather tells me? What? What did he say? He says, uh, they all say that. <laughs> oh, my God. So, I wow. Now, I guess now, you know, he, he's like, he's going to listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's great. So we're here live with the former light heavyweight champion of the world, Lou Devana. Lou, champ, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast. You're welcome, my brother. All right. Uh, so we always start at the beginning with all our guests. So where were you born? I was born in uh, Long Island City, Queens, Queens Bridge Project. 
Long Island City, Queens. Now, I've been to Long Island City. I live in Bushwick right now. And, yeah, now, and Long Island City today is actually kind of nice, but was it like that for you growing up? No, it was, was a tough neighborhood. Okay. Know? I mean, you got to remember, that's the largest projects in the world. Mm. And being in those projects, you know, without a father and just me and my sister, it, it was tough. Right. So it was just you and your sister growing up in Long Island City. And what kind of kid were you? What kind of kid I was? Yeah. I was, um, I was very active. I, I was a great athlete. Mm-hmm. I played every sport. Baseball, basketball, football. Yeah. So you're a very... And, um, I was good at every sport. <laughs> are, you, are you just saying that? Or were you actually good at every sport? <laughs> okay. Um, well, let me make a prime example. Okay. Um, and maybe you can understand. When I was uh, a kid, there was a team that wanted me to play for them. And they were a good team, but they were two years older than me. And I was a lefty, right? Mm -hmm. So being a lefty, you know, the positions you know you play is first base, right field, outfield. You know, you don't play the infield. You don't play catch all all the pitch, maybe, you know? Mm -hmm. But um, my bat was so good. That the team wanted me so bad, but they didn't have nowhere to put me. The first baseman was the best player on our team. That was my position. But I was so good that they made me play second base. Okay. (laughs) All right? So that's a prime example right there. And we won the championship. Okay. So you're a great great athlete growing up. You're playing all these team sports. When I bo- played football. I yeah. never came off the field. I played defense. We won the championship in that El Jack Flyers. Okay. When I played baseball with St. Readers. And then football, I never came off the field until we was blowing the team out. We won the championship in Hofstra University. Hofstra, wait, you went to Hofstra University? No, no. Oh, um, oh at Hofstra University. Gotcha, gotcha. Gotcha, okay. So, so I was a great athlete. I was just had bad grades. So, the last sport I got into was basketball because, you know, I grew up with all, you know, black people in my neighborhood. Right. So that was the sport. So I got into it, you know. You know, I got disrespected, so I took a whole winter to play basketball. I was shoveling snow, and I was out there shooting the ball. Getting, I was a great athlete. So I got so good that I went to, I went to Lauren Institute, right? Mm-hmm. Um. It was an all-black school, and um, I was the only sophomore on the varsity team. Wow. I didn't start, but, you know, I got a scholarship in high school because my grades were so bad. Okay. <laughs> so that just tells you. <laughs> I started boxing when I, when, I came out of, when I came out of jail. I went to a drug program. Okay. I was in the drug program for 11, 11 months. I got kicked out. And how old were you when you went to this drug program? Uh, 17 and a half, 18. So you're just out of high school, give or take. I, I stopped going to school. When I went to Lawrenceburg, I kept fighting over there and everything. Because, it was, you know, it, it's different when, when you have a complexion that's white and you're around all blacks. Mm-hmm. You know, I was getting bullied. I was, you know, thought they tried to bully me when I was in the high school because I could fight them. But when I was younger, I got bullied a lot. And... So one day that my sister, who was my backbone, was like, you better fight. And I started fighting ever since then. Wow. So I'm in my third match. Okay, so, and boxing entered your life when you left the drug program. Right, I moved to the Bronx. Okay. Yankee, uh, right next to Yankee Stadium, 164 Gerard. Wow. And I see the, I see the gym, it said free lessons. I walked, there was a little hole in the wall, and I walked in and, I made history after that. Eight months later, I won the Golden Gloves. Second year, I lost to the finals. Then I turned pro. I went 22 and 0. I fought Virgil Hill. Uh, I thought I got robbed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, remember, I only had 22 fights. Yeah. Oh, we'll... he, had, he, had, he had 22 title defenses. <laughs> oh, we'll get to the Virgil Hill fight. That was one of the yeah. my favorite things about uh, researching you. But right. so you're. You're in this little hole in the wall, Jim. What did you did? How long did it take for you to like really like boxing? Was no, it like I love it for? I always loved boxing. Okay. Remember, I was an athlete. 
Right. Like, while I was a kid, I used to imitate fighters. Like, my favorite fighter was Hector Camacho growing up. Oh, yeah. New York's own. Yeah. So, I, I, uh, I emulate, I, you know, emulate him, you know, like, I did everything he did. I copied him. That was way before. Because you better remember, when I was growing up in the projects, they didn't have boxing around there in Queens. Right. So, when I moved to the Bronx, I found that I could have been a fighter a long time ago before that. <laughs> Why did you move to the Bronx? Because I couldn't be in my projects no more. Yeah. I, I did a lot of bad stuff. Okay. Was it now... <laughs> A lot of people who aren't in New York City, they don't know like how big of a move it is to move from Long Island City to the Bronx. Was it like kind of a change for you? It was a big change because I had a different mindset. What was your mindset like? My mindset was just to be somebody. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be a fighter. My dream was to win the Golden Gloves when I was in the drug program. Okay. That was my move. Okay. I wanted in eight eight months, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you're in Golden Gloves, you're in the Bronx, you're training. Did you hold down any sort of, like, jobs during this period when you were coming up? Uh, uh, on and off, a couple of jobs, you what, know. Where would you work? Well, I was a messenger at first in Manhattan. Right. Uh, I used to go back to, I had a school teacher. She's my second grade teacher. Mm-hmm. And um, she's like a mother, mother figure to me. She used to come into my projects This second grade teacher, she really did. Uh, why do you think she believed in you out of all the kids? Or I asked for that. I asked for that. Okay. You know, I, that's funny that you say that. I told her one day, I said, you know, she passed away of uh, breast cancer. Okay. While ago. But um, I said, why, do you, why did you like me so much? She says, I always knew you was going to be something special. Wow. Yeah. It was. Hearing that is just, it's incredible. Now, you mentioned your sister a lot. What's your sister's name? Melissa Del Valle. Melissa Del Valle. Now, what's special about her is that she's also a fighter yourself, herself. Uh, what, what do you think, you guys are really close, right? Very close. Now, do you think uh, she, you, you guys are just so close that like she would have followed you into whatever profession you would have done if you weren't a boxer? She did. Oh, she wow. followed me. Me and her played on the same baseball team. Oh my god! Me and her used to play tackle football outside the streets with the kids. That's incredible. <laughs> my sister got a scholarship to Alabama University for what? Basketball. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm trying to tell you. We was athletes. <laughs> that's incredible. So your sister has a scholarship to University of Alabama, and yes. <laughs> that I mean, that's. I keep on using the word incredible, but, uh, you know, you guys have both just accomplished so much. <laughs> okay. So what, so you're coming up, uh, you're, you're being, a, you're working as a delivery guy. You're, you're over in Long Island sometimes. Uh, when did you decide to turn pro? Uh, well, uh, I went to a fight. It was a pro am fight in, uh, Bermuda, mm-hmm. right? And I fought some guy, and the guy who took us became a manager. Okay. He seen what I did to the guy, and he signed me right away. Wow. Okay. Was there anybody in your life that was just like, Lou, let's not turn pro, let's just stay amateur, you can go to the Olympics, we'll get a lot of money then? I was too old already. Oh. I, was, I was already 20 years old. Oh, okay. So you, the Olympics, you thought, were just not for you at this point? Oh, well, not really, because... I kept falling short at the, the regionals. Okay. I fell short the first time I lost. the. I, I just lost the last round, mm-hmm. and I thought I won the fight, but I lost. Okay. And then the second one, I beat the, the dog crap out of this guy. 
he was from the PAL, okay. Webster, and um, I thought I won that fight easily. I, I even closed his eyes. Matter of fact, I feel so bad that he couldn't fight go to the Nationals. And what happened was I already let myself go because I'm thinking I ain't going. Okay. When so you say you let yourself... To be a replacement. When you say you let yourself go, you just got out of shape? Yeah, you know, started eating, you know, hanging out, you know, right. not training, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you got to remember, when I first came to the gym, I was weighing 228 pounds. Jesus. <laughs> you're, so, you're, I fought, I'm going to tell you a funnier story. Okay. Um, when I was fighting, I had one, I had one at 200 pounds, uh, a tournament, right? Mm -hmm. So when I won, I only fought one fight, but I won. So when I won, it was, a, it was okay. So now, I, I, don't, I know you probably know this guy, Bruce Silvergate. Bruce Silvergate. Um, he's, he 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 owns Gleason's. Oh my God! I did not know. I did not know that man. But so yeah. this guy, he owns Gleason's gym. So he calls me up and tells me, "Do I want to fight on the USA team in Canada, Halifax?" Wow, that's such and an honor. <laughs> no, it wasn't an honor. He used me. I only had three amateur fights. Oh my God! The kid I fought had two hundred. Wow. And you know who the kid was? Who tell me who the kid was? Kirk Johnson. Kirk Johnson. Okay. That's he won a, a silver medal in the Olympics, I think. Okay. <laughs> and I think he became a WBO champ. Wow. Okay. He was Canadian. Well, anyway, he was 18 years old. He had over 200 amateur fights. So I said to myself, I'm a street guy. So I said, I'm not going to let no 18-year-old kick my ass. You know what I'm saying? And, um, well, let's put it this way. He kicked my ass. I mean... <laughs> He hit me so hard. He hit me so hard. Like, now, I'm going to tell you that the day that he called me was the same day that I went to the airport and they picked me up from the airport and drove me right into the stadium. Okay. All right? So, anyway, he had hurt me. And I, I, my instincts, when I get hurt, I grab you and, you know, hold you. So, he hurt me twice. I think he dropped me too. I, I don't remember. But it was but it was it was an ass whooping. He 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 beat you up. He he hurt me. He didn't beat me up. He hurt. He hurt you. Yeah, but um, the the second time he hurt me, the referee was worried about me. He says, "Am I okay?" I said, "Yeah." But he says, "Where are you at?" I said, "I'm in the Bronx." Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so at that point you're like, let me turn pro. You no, wanna... no, okay. no. That that was only my third amateur fight. It's only your third amateur fight, and you're fighting. Third. Oh my god! Right. Um... So now I'm on a mission. Mm -hmm. I know I can't fight at 200 pounds. Right. I go down to light heavyweight, and now I go into the Golden Gloves. Mm -hmm. Now I'm 178, and boy. It was hard. Don't get me wrong. My first fight was vicious, tough from a guy from Greece. The next guy, the next guy was easy. I stopped him. The third guy was from the Dominican Republic. He was a favorite to win it all. Mm -hmm. I beat him. And then the next two fights, they both was at the the, the little garden. Okay. And um, the first, the third, the, the fourth guy I stopped, and the fifth guy I beat him up. <laughs> okay, and then. Right. And now you're the New York Golden Gloves champion. That's incredible. Yeah, and, and then the second thing he had fought a guy with over 100 amateur fights. His name was Richard Fraser. He fought Roy Jones. He got stopped. That's, I mean... <laughs> and I beat him. He robbed me. He was a, he, he was a policeman. And they, they raised the age limit to 37 years old. Okay. So that's why he was able to fight again. He had won the gold gloves in 1985. <laughs> so now you're fighting this 30 year old man, and you're what, like 22 at this point? 21? Uh, no, I'm 21. You're 21. Okay. Right. <laughs> All right. So I want to ask you about the um, the New York Golden Gloves because in recent years it's kind of lost its prestige. Do you think? Sucks. Yeah. Do you do you what do you think uh, can be done to bring back the, the 
what I said, the prestige of the Golden Gloves. What you need to do is find New York is horrible. It's a clique. It's mm-hmm. like a gang. You know what I'm saying? And um, it's not who you know or what you know. It's who you glow. That's the way I look at it. Mm-hmm. And you got people that come into the game don't know what they're doing, but they're all together. They take care of the boys and girls, the, you know, the, the PALs. Those are all favorites. So right. if you're going to beat them, you got to really beat them. And my point is, the, the guy that was running, his name was Brian Adams. I, the, this is between me and you because he's my friend, but everybody says it, that he messed up the Golden Gloves. He switched it to the Broccoli Center. He, you know, he, I, I heard he took money under the table. There's a lot of stuff that they said about this guy, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But my point is that I remember him as an amateur, and I, I was ahead of him in boxing, you know, but he's the one who's running boxing. Mm-hmm. You gotta fix it up. You gotta put real people into the game. Right. And, right. and you gotta put it back into the garden. I agree. No, uh, you're making you're making some really good points. Now, getting back to you, so you win the Golden Gloves and you decide to turn pro. Um, right. What do you, uh, do you remember your first pro fight? Yeah, it was tough. Okay. Um, I, I fought a guy from Philly, and um, he wasn't good, but he was really, really like just bringing it. He kept coming, okay. and um, I, I beat him easily, but. I got tired in that fourth round, but like I was telling you, I would lose fights in the last round in the amateurs. Okay. So I made a promise to myself that nobody beat me. I beat myself. Right. If I if I lose, I want to lose because the guy's better than me, not because I got tired. Oh, that's that's a so good way to that, live. <laughs> that was that was my motto, mm-hmm. you know, when I was fighting pro. Okay. If you're gonna beat me, you gotta be better than me. Right. Because when I fought the amateurs, I didn't fight nobody that was better than me. Mm-hmm. But I got tired. Well, you managed to pull it out and you managed to get the win. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to ask you about just your style. Now, you're a southpaw. Did you find yes. it hard to get fights because you were a southpaw? Uh, that was back in the days. That's not like that no more. Right, but back... Okay, so like for you coming up, no problem getting fights because you fought left-handed. Right, no okay. problem. Okay, well, that's good. Um, so you're coming up, and you're fighting at light heavyweight, and you said yourself that uh, you know you would be around 200 pounds. Was making weight an issue for you? Yeah, always. Always. Okay. What would you do to like make weight? Did you ever go to like extremes? Yeah, I went to a lot of. You know, the problem is I was a street kid, so you gotta understand. I didn't know nothing about nutrition. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to eat. I didn't know what what know what was the stuff to eat to you know bring your weight down and whatever i learned late in my career the only thing that got my weight down was hard work just running and sweatsuits and saunas and all that yes (laughs) okay so i was a hard worker right did you ever have to like limit yourself from eating all the time all the time of course (laughs) like would you be looking at like a piece of steak and you'd be like those motherfuckers (laughs) yeah that would happen all the time. Okay. Okay. So, uh, I want to ask you now about your nickname, Honey Boy. Where did that come from? It came from my first trainer that I met in that gym. Okay. Uh, he knew, he seen me as a cocky person. He was a, his name was Ulysses Geminis. That's a great name. Huh? That's a great name. I like that name. What? Okay. What are you talking about? Oh, I like that name, uh, Ulysses he was a warrior, okay. but he was a soft-spoken guy. Okay. So, I didn't know nothing about boxing. You know, boxing taught me how to be humble. It taught me how to get confidence. It, it taught me everything. It taught me life. My point is that this guy, I used to think this guy wasn't a fighter because he was so nice. But when I went to my first amateur fight, everybody used to come up to him and say, Hey, Ulysses, you was a warrior. You was a... Yeah, I was in the gym, so he's close to me, 
want you, you know, go far. I want you to get this done. So when I went in there for the first time, now I knew what a great son he was. I got my ass whipped, you know. <laughs> I got hit up. But after after the time went by, after like the second year, he tells me, like they did a fighter, a guy used to come into the gym and say he fought this, he did that, he wants some sparring. So my trainer used to say, I want you to get the taste out of me. <laughs> you understand? Yeah, I understand, man. Like, I understand. He, he, he knew about cocky people, so he put it in a, a, a nice, soft way, like, alright, you know, <laughs> like, kick his ass, but his way of saying kicking his ass was giving him a taste of honey. Right. Now, Really quick, just off topic, but uh, in 2019, last year, there was a film called Honey Boy. Did you ever get, did you ever see it, or did you ever even hear, hear about it? Never heard about it. Hey, you should check it out. It won, like, a bunch of awards. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. Back to, back to your career. Now, as you're coming up, uh, you found yourself a sparring partner for Roy Jones Jr. What was that like when you were his sparring partner? Okay, now let me tell you this story. Jones' hometown, right? Uh, hometown. So, my sister calls me up on a payphone. Remember, now I'm living in the basement of a boxing gym, but I'm always in the gym. So, my sister calls the payphone, and I pick it up, and she tells me, hey, June, you know a guy named Roy Jones? I said, yeah, but listen, that guy's going to be a world champ. What year was this? Huh? What year was this? I don't remember what year. He just came out the Olympics. Okay, so we're talking like 88, 89, 90. Right. Jones Jr. in the third time you sparred. Yes. <laughs> okay. I caught him with a vicious shot. Vicious. And he was whatever. Anyway, after that, we sparred like two more times, but nobody was throwing punches. So Roy loved me so much. We went especially he used to come up to me and say, Yo, you want to go play some basketball? Your sister said you really 
30 square ring. So my manager got nervous and flew down to and he put me on his undercard that fight. Roy Jones put you on his undercard. He put me on his undercard. Right? I got a, I got, I think I got a second round knockout that he was cheering for me to watch the fights on HBO. So, and you could see what he did to me when he knocked the guy Antoine out. Um, when he knocked him out, he went south for him. So he goes and points to me, he goes, Southpaw, right? I said, oh my God, that was incredible. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, he, he imitated me, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so anyway, but anyway, I didn't get this nine with him or nothing, and then I left back, and we was friends, but when he went up to light heavyweight, you know, friendship is over. <laughs> it's like We're this... in the same weight division. Right. I mean, at this, but like at this point, you know, Roy Jones is trying to sign you. You're you're chilling with him. You know, you're getting paid. You must be thinking like, I'm living the dream. Like this is this is incredible. Uh, yeah, but you know, I already knew that I was gonna be champion. Okay. You know, I was very confident. Right. You know, I think what made me feel like I was gonna be champ is two things. I won a 5K race. Remember my school teacher I told you about? Yeah. Her and her husband invited me to, in Long Island to a 5K race at the airport. Okay. Anyway, I'm a competitor. Like I told you, remember, I was training really hard for my pro fights. Mm-hmm. So, I used to do quick sprints and I used to jog five miles, six miles. I was in great shape, but mm-hmm. I didn't know what kind of shape I was. I didn't think I was going to win the race. But my mindset was to follow the first guy and stay with him. So I did that. His pace was tremendous. But I got music in my head. I got I got uh you know sweatpants on everybody got the professional shorts and the tank tops. But I'm following this guy. I'm following, I'm listening to my music. But after a while I said, Man, this pace is vicious. I don't know. I think I'm gonna slow down and come in second place. But I heard the crowd cheering. So I did the witch sprint in quarter. <laughs> so you're like sea biscuit. You're, you're like sea biscuit. You like hear the crowd and you're like, I gotta go. I gotta run fast. So I'm, yeah, because I had that witch sprint. You have one level. I had two levels. Oh my god! So you went a five k race. Remember, your mind don't know how much how good you can run. You just just testing yourself. Yeah. But I won the race. I did it in twenty. I did it in seventeen minutes and twenty eight seconds. Jesus. 3.1 miles. <laughs> so you win so you win this 5k race and then afterwards I you're like the race, right and then I fought a guy 2-0 oh. I think he won the nationals Norman Bell and um I was 2-0 and, oh. and uh it was a war and the third round he caught me with a good shot I was winning the first two I always I always was beating the guy because I was slick I was a counter puncher I, was, I moved a lot I had pivots you know, being a South Pole's advantage. Mm-hmm. So, we went to war. But, I'm sitting on the, on the stool, the fourth round is coming, and I'm saying to myself, I don't have nothing left. I have shit left. And I'm thinking about my record now. I'm saying, man, I'm going to be, I'm probably going to be 2-1 after this fight. You know? Right. So, I go out there the fourth round, and this guy slaps me. <laughs> Like backhanded? He had, he had nothing left. Oh. So I beat the piss out of him and I stayed undefeated. And ever since that, my confidence level grew that, like, I'm in the, like, that was my problem, knowing that I was in shape. Once I knew that, I competed to, I competed to the highest level. Okay. Okay. So, so you're beating all these guys and you finally, after all these years, get your first title shot. Uh, against Virgil Hill. Uh, now, researching you, I watched that fight, and to be honest, uh, I think you won that fight. I really I do. I, I think it's close, but I think you managed to win that fight. Uh, what do you think about that fight, looking back on it now? Okay, can I just say one thing first? Sure. Okay, okay. When, um, remember my second year, I told you I, I fought... The, in the finals for my second Golden Gloves. Right. In Fraser. Remember, right. He, fought, he fought Roy Jones. Mm-hmm. The commentator was Gil Clancy. Okay. So, the 
Tell me that Ford had a big reputation of being slick and fast and stuff. Everybody's a good boxer. So I was beating him up for two rounds. And Gil Clancy says, I've never seen Richard Frazier in this predicament before. Mm. Right? Now, let's go back to the Virgil Hill fight. He was commentating that fight. Mm. And he says the same thing. You, I mean, it was a close fight. I think you both landed some really good shots, uh, but I think you managed to just to to beat him. Uh, but did you kind of think that you needed a knockout just to get a decision? Kind of things, you know, you're fighting in his backyard. Of course, of course, right. Of course. But you know, this guy is a silver medalist. Mm-hmm. This guy, when I was on drugs, and when I woke up the next day to watch TV, right. I see when he won the world title against Leslie Stewart. Yeah. Who would know that I would ever be in a ring with Virgil Hill? <laughs> I mean, that knockdown in the second round, I mean, that was, I mean, that was incredible. You know, did you think, like, when you knocked him down, you're like, I'm home free. Like, I got this fight in the bag. Yeah. Yeah. The fella saved his life. <laughs> True. Yeah, he looked out on his feet after that. He was out. He was yeah. out. He was out. I had him. Matter of fact, when I dropped him and he fell to the floor, I woke him up. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, I want to. <laughs> so the fight was in, I believe, North Dakota, right? Yeah. <laughs> I gotta. You know, you're from New York. You're from like the big. You're from you're from a big city. What was it like going to fight in North Dakota? Um, to be honest with you, I was fearless. Really? You know, I was very confident. Yeah. I went to France. You know. And I got a draw. So that'll tell you what my confidence level is that they almost tried to kill me too because mm-hmm. after the decision they wanted to kill me. Mm-hmm. The French hates Americans, I'm telling you. <laughs> but going to North Dakota, you had no, no fear at all. I had no fear. Okay. I really thought I was gonna beat him. I felt like I felt like he couldn't do nothing to me and I knew I could hurt him. Right. And right. I did my homework and I watched all his fights. And what he would do is he would try he would he would steal fights by winning the last three rounds convincingly. Mm-hmm. But if you watch my fight with him, I won the last three rounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I dropped him. Listen, I dropped him. I cut him. I knocked his mouthpiece out of his mouth. Um, I had that guy hurt really bad. Mm-hmm. And a lot of and he never hurt me in that fight. Yeah. He caught me with one good shot the whole fight. But I feel like you can't win a fight just on a jab. Come on, give me a break. Okay. Uh, how devastating was it to you for losing that for losing that fight? Uh, it, was def- it was devastating to me. Right. Can I tell you why? Why? Because, um, like, like I said, I was a slick fighter, mm-hmm. and um, after the fight, I thought I lost because I never got touched so much. Right. Because I never got hit like touch, touch with the jab, touch. Mm-hmm. So when you get touched, you get you, know, you get hit a lot. Right. So I thought I lost the fight, but when I went home and watched it on TV, I beat his boy. You did? No, you did. Um, <laughs> I, listen, boxing is effective scoring. Yeah. And if anybody did any effective punching with me, right? I mean, I hit him with some vicious stuff. <laughs> Uh, so you lose that fight. Uh, did any part of you think, like, just wanted to pack it in and quit boxing at this point? Because, like, listen, no. 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 When I was in a drug program, mm-hmm. I said I was going to be a fighter, and, and no matter what, I wasn't going to quit. Right. Like, I could in baseball, basketball, and football. Yeah. So this was something that I was not going to quit. See, I thought I was going to be a fighter that was going to win, like, 20 fights and have 15 losses. You thought you were gonna be a journeyman, essentially. Yeah. yeah. I thought I was gonna be a journeyman, but I was just gonna I was gonna beat some guys, but I I was gonna lose. Mm-hmm. I never thought I was gonna be that good. What? Uh. So I mean, so you, but like after you lose to Virgil Hill, now you're fighting Ken McCurdy and like Yonkers Raceway. Like, did you feel like that was kind of like a step down? Yeah, but but I still was on a mission. Right. Right, so you were just, so you were just so single minded. You're like, let's, I'm gonna win this title no matter what. 
at this point. All right, let's. I want to take you now to uh, going to Germany and fighting Eddie Smolders for the uh, vacant the vacant uh, WBA light heavyweight title. Uh, what was it like going to Germany to fight? The same thing it was going to North Dakota and going to France. <laughs> <laughs> got a whole, it's got a whole country against you. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but I mean, you know, this fight, you know, it's for, it's your second chance for the world title. Was there like, what would, did you, did you feel like you just couldn't lose this fight? Like, did you feel like this was the oh, last I opportunity? I, was gonna lose. I knew I wasn't going to lose. What was the game plan going into that fight, fighting Smolders? Oh, I was going to stop <laughs> Just that's it. That was your I whole game. I wasn't going to get robbed. Because <laughs> you felt like he's German and, you know, if he, if this goes to the cards, I'm, I'm going to lose. Exactly. Well, I mean, you were ahead on all three scorecards going into the uh, eighth. To this day, I don't know the scorecards, but I wasn't taking those chances. Can I tell you the scorecards? I have them right in front of me. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. On two of the judges, you were up 68-63, and on one of the judges, you were up 69-62 going into the eighth. Oh, wow. So, yeah, you could have just coasted at that point. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, but I had a little animosity towards him because, um... When I was doing an interview in Germany, and he walked by me and tried to intimidate me, he said, no chance, no chance. <laughs> that was all it took for you to like just be like, I'm going to drop this guy. I, I told him, well, I'm going to kick your fucking ass. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, what, so you win the world title. Uh, what was that feeling like? Uh, it was a great feeling. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you, what did the Golden Glove do for that event? Really? Why? Why? Why that? Why? Because I, I, I'm proven. I'm a proven fighter now. Mm -hmm. I didn't know I was really a real fight, a real fighter. Remember when I told you when I turned pro and when I when I won that race and I won, I already knew I was gonna fight for a title. Yeah. I already had that confidence. See, when I was in the Golden Gloves, I didn't know what to expect. And winning the Golden Gloves and coming back from drugs and, you know, doing the stuff that I did. And, you know, I did a lot of bad stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. And this was my punishment. This was my punishment. Unfortunately, it wasn't a punishment. I punished people. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you went, you come back from Germany, you win the world title. Did you fight now... A lot of athletes, when they find, you know, that they win a championship or a title, all these people start coming out of the woodworks, you know, they're yes. supposedly their quote-unquote friends. Was yeah. that was that your experience? Yes. What, exactly. how, was, what was that like? You know, people coming up to you, hey, champ, what's up? You remember me? What was... Uh, all the time. It just, it just didn't stop. It just didn't stop? I'm just, I'm just I'm, it, it still doesn't stop. Mm -hmm. You know? But, um, I never let that face you know, I know where I come from, and I know who I am. Mm -hmm. and one thing about me, I probably can't read a book, but I can read you coming a mile away. Man, that's a tattoo right there. That you should put that on like a some. That's I love that. <laughs> you know, it's a true story. It's true. I can't pick it up. Yeah. All right. So, you probably had one of the hardest first title defenses. Ever against Roy Jones Jr. at light heavyweight. Whose idea was it for you to fight Roy Jones Jr.? My idea. It was your idea. Because, okay, you gotta remember, I was making my first title defense. Mm -hmm. I forgot the guy's name. Uh, he was from Argentina. Okay. It, was, it was an easy fight. Yeah, why don't you do that? Why don't you just get yourself, you know, make yourself some nice paydays, you know? Right. But, it, yeah, but um, I had manager problems. Manager was robbing me. So, but anyway, I don't want to get into that right now, but what happened was Holyfield was fighting Akawanda at the Garden. Okay. That was me on the undercard. Right. The whole show got canceled <laughs> because Akawanda had hepatitis. Okay. Right? So, mm -hmm. so I, I didn't have no fight, but they offered me the Roy Jones fight because, okay, the person that was supposed to fight on HBO was Prince Ahmed. Yeah. He pulled out of that card because his wife was having a baby. So Roy Jones wanted to stay busy. So he was trying to get an opponent. The opponent he was trying to get was a couple of other guys before 
mm-hmm. he was Reggie Johnson, but I think his shoulder was messed up. Okay. He tried to get somebody else. Now, they offered me me to fight early, but they only offered me four hundred thousand. Okay, and for fighting Roy Jones, you wanted like what? What? How much did you want to fight Roy Jones? I wanted at least eight hundred. Eight hundred. Okay. Right. Yeah. So now I go back home. I start doing a little drinking, hanging out. You know. You're not. You're not in the gym. You're not training. Call me up a month and a couple of days before the fight. Wow. And they offered me eight hundred and fifty thousand. Okay. <laughs> but it was really one point two. That's wow. another story. My manager, my promoter, they robbed me for four hundred thousand. Jesus Christ. Yes. Ugh. They're the worst boxing managers are the worst. Joe okay. Guardia was on the back page of the post saying Joe Laguardia double dipped it. Right. And this this man was your manager. So, the Roy Jones fight, I mean, he put on a boxing clinic, but you kind of, you got yours out of him by dropping him. Uh, did that kind of make it all worthwhile, or did you, do you still wish you would have gotten the win? How do you, how do you do that fight? I, I told you, I was at a level that I thought I could beat anybody. Right. But let me tell you another crazy story. Okay. Up in training camp in Fernwood, I met... My baby's mother. Okay. I fell in love with her, mm-hmm. and I lost a little focus. You lost, you lost the edge a little bit. Yeah, I lost the edge. When I went to sleep in bed, I used to dream about fighting Roy. Mm-hmm. Then, when I met her, I was dreaming about being with her. Okay. Oh, my God. Yeah. Just the worst, man. <laughs> yeah. And, um, like I said, I only had a month in, like, five days to get ready for that fight. <laughs> And that's not a lot of time to get ready for possibly the greatest. Oh man, that's the worst. Yeah, at the time, oh my god. Um, but that knockdown, though, do you? I mean, you know, you're in the history books as knock being the first person to ever knock down Roy Jones Jr. Do you take a, some pride in that? Not really. Not no, really. No. No. That's so. You know why? Why? That's, uh, that makes sense. Um, are you and Roy, I mean, are you and Roy still kind of close, kind of tight? Yeah, we're real cool. That's my yeah. boy. That's your boy. Now, <laughs> I want to ask your opinion about him fighting Mike Tyson. What do you think about that? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, listen, I don't know. Listen, I'm going to tell you a crazy story. Okay. You know I trained by Duzak. You trained, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 okay. Thomas Adamick, the former light heavyweight and cruiserweight champion. Yes. Okay. But Thomas Adamick was signed with Don. He was suing him. Okay. So for two years, I was sitting on the shelves. I would fight one fight a year. But anyway, Jesus. when I got out of my contract with Don, I took a fight right away against Zach Page. Who was a, I mean, I ain't going to call him a But I was out of shape. I was 200. Mm-hmm. Yeah. mentioned uh, a promoter that gets mentioned quite a bit on this podcast, Don King. Uh, positive experience with him? Negative experience? What was it like? Um, I got nothing bad to say about Don, mm-hmm. because Don had me on his shelf for two, every, I fought once a year. Okay. I was with him for two 
needed money. I told him it's Christmas or whatever, my daughter's birthday. He always had a check for me. Okay. okay. So he, he, if he's a crook, he didn't get a chance to rob me because I ain't made nothing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you retired from boxing after fighting Joe Spina. What did, what did you think? Where did you think you would go with your life after that last fight? What, did you want to get out of boxing at all? No. no? I wanted to be a trainer. I'm you... a better trainer than fighter. <laughs> what do you think makes a good trainer, do you think? Well, you got experience what the body feels like mm-hmm. when you get in shape. You got experience certain situations to know and to teach the other fighters. Okay. You know, like proper way of training, the proper way of doing things, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I do everything out of book. And I'm not going to tell a fighter to do something that I wouldn't do. Okay. You got to think. I do got stopped when I got him. Right. He became two-time world champ. He's got about four or five draws, which he should be like four or five-time world champ. <laughs> True. No, I'm serious. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of those fights was bad. And I'm going to tell you the reason why. Because we was always the B-side fighter. Remember, Floyd Mayweather had my beat Jack. Mm-hmm. Every time we fought, we fought Al Haven's fighter, who's Floyd's partner. Okay. So, that was the problem there. Okay. Okay, so, I want to ask you about, you've mentioned Badu Jack. Uh, I want to ask you: Are you still are you training him for his upcoming no, fight? I quit. You quit? Why did you quit? Why I quit? Because it became a circus, and he stopped training the way he trains. Okay. Okay. He started with Marcus Brown. You think he kind of lost the edge as well? Yeah. Along the way. Okay. Okay. Do you, so, are you training anybody right now that we can be ex- that we should be excited for? No, because of the pandemic. <laughs> True, man, true. Uh, I get calls all the time. To be like, when I went to Floyd Mayweather's, I took over. Okay. I played mostly all the fighters there. They all wanted a piece of me. Uh, Bobby Jack, uh, Ronald Gabriel, when he lost his first fight, I started training him. He fought for the title twice against the best fight in boxing, Benavides. He fought for a title. I, I trained Darius Miller. We fell apart because he was out of control. Uh, I trained K.O. Bellows. I trained Ashley Theophane. I trained everybody there. <laughs> and now, so what are you doing now? Are you just kind of waiting for boxing to return? Yeah, I yeah. trained clients, you know. Okay. Okay, good for you, man. Um, all right, well, champ, uh, first, I just want to say thank you for agreeing to be interviewed. Uh, this has been great. But before you go... I have 10 questions here that I've asked every single boxing champion that has been on this podcast, and they've all answered. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay, some of them are funny, some of them are serious. Okay. Okay. All right, question number one. Uh, where's the most memorable place that you've brought your championship belt? To the strip club. <laughs> to the strip club. <laughs> really? Really. <laughs> what was that like? You bring the championship belt to the strip club. <laughs> All right, all right. Best answer so far we've had on this podcast, man. All right. Question two. Where's the most memorable place that you fought? Um, well, you got to say the Mecca. Right. I was about to say, because you're, you know, you're a New York kid, you know. Yeah. That's the place you want to fight. Right, right. Of course. Okay. Question three. What fighter would you have liked to have fought in history, either in the past or now or wherever? Oh, there's so many of them. Okay. But the one I really wanted was Antonio Tarver. Ooh, that would have been a great fight. That would have been a I'm great, just... great fight. Can I throw out can I throw out a name? That light heavy yeah. that yeah, this is back in the past, guy in the seventies. What about you versus Bob Foster? Well, I don't know. He was a he was a great fighter. Mm-hmm. And I, I really have, I never really seen him fight, but I know Virgil Hill broke his consecutive winning streak. Yeah. Out of the fences. Oh, 
Bob Foster, go do yourself some favor today. Watch some footage on Bob Foster. The guy is... I will. Yeah. <laughs> All right, question four. What's the best advice you've ever received in the corner during a fight? Any of them? Any of them stick out? Like, hey, you know, duck more. No. There's so many. Okay. Well, you're a trainer. Uh, what's the best advice you've ever given a fighter during a fight? Well, the best advice I ever gave a fighter is, you know, if you get caught with a good shot, make sure you grab them mm-hmm. and you hold them. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, every time I tell a fighter. Okay, now these next couple questions are a bit, you know, a little more on the humor side. All right, question five. Have you ever had to go to the bathroom right before or during a fight? Nope, but I had a fight in that, and uh, it wasn't good ending. <laughs> <laughs> you wanted me to take him to the bathroom, I said, I ain't going, you better tell your father somebody. <laughs> I think he didn't go to the bathroom, and he had got stopped. Oh, man. Jesus. All right. I was not wiping his ass, and I wasn't going to put his hands down. All right, all right. All right, next question. Question six. Sex before a fight, big deal or no deal? Um, it's always a big deal because it's a mental factor. Yeah? That's, yeah, I'm going to tell you, that's what happened to me when I fought that guy 2-0 and I was 2-0. Yeah. Me and my girl was breaking up, but she found out I was fighting and we made up and I had sex once and then I went the next day to go to Atlantic City to fight the guy. <laughs> Question seven. What's the best ring music you've ever entered to? Or what's the song you've always entered to? Or do you have like a song that you're like that that you'd like to enter a fight to that you did? There was a whole bunch of them. Okay. There's so many of them. Okay. Any of them stand out? Um that joke. Oh man. Good answer. <laughs> okay. This my friend. We used to do a lot of things together. I used to be on the stage with him. Um, really? That's great, man. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. All right. Next question. What? Okay. So, you know, you're a fighter. You're making all this money. What's the most ridiculous thing you've ever bought? There must have been something that you purchased where you're like, why did I buy this? Uh, hmm? I, nothing. I have no regrets everything I bought. Really? I bought my whole condo. Okay. Uh, I bought myself a Rolex. I had lost my golden gloves, so I had them remade. Okay. Right? I lost it in a pool party. I had it remade, but... The way I had it remade was it, it was like a weapon. You take it off your neck to get to kill somebody. <laughs> but you never had like a fleet of cars. You never had like the giant um, man. No? no, I had a Lexus coupe. I had an Aqua Lexus coupe. I never was the guy to you know, make it a flashy guy. Okay, okay. Right. fair enough. Uh, question nine. What's your favorite pair of trunks that you've ever worn? Um, the one I fought Roy Jones with. Okay, okay. Uh, all right. And last question before you get out of here. All right, Lou, you're now the commissioner. You're the president. You're in charge of boxing. What's one change that you would make to the sweet science? Uh, get judges to judge each other. Ooh, can you explain on that? What do you mean? I want, I want two sets of judges behind one judge of the ring and one judge behind him. And I want them to both judge the fight. Okay. And I don't want. I want him to be neutral. Okay. I want him to be like, like a. What, what I would do is, I would, I would ask for a boxing commission. Mm-hmm. Just a national boxing commission. Yes. Yeah. Fighters. Right. 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 I agree. Right. I agree. Look, football has it. Mm-hmm. Baseball has it. All the major sports have it. What's wrong with boxing? Yeah. It's the toughest sport in mm-hmm. the world. I agree. Everything you're saying, I'm agreeing 100%. What do you, what would you think about adding, say, instead of three judges, maybe seven judges to every fight? So yeah, that, yeah, that's it. Yeah. You, I, I will get my crew. Like, if I was a boxing commission, I would have guys that work for me. And when there's fights, they're going to be there mm-hmm. observing those judges. Okay. All right. 
Well, champ, Mr. Duvall, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast. This was great. You are an amazing interview. And, uh, uh, yeah, thank you for doing this, man. And your name again, I always forget I'm back. Oh, it's all good, man. Gene Morgan. All right, Gene. Thank yeah. you very much, bro. No problem. You have a good rest of your day and take care. All right, thanks. Take care, man. All right. All right. That was the former WBA light heavyweight champion, Lou Duvall, on the podcast. Really great to have him on. And that was another episode of the RoboDope Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at RoboDope Podcast. Please follow us on Facebook. Please listen to us on these following streaming sites, SoundCloud, uh, Spotify, and Anchor. That's SoundCloud, Spotify, and Anchor. All right, guys. Thank you so much. I'm Gene Morgan. Have a good rest of your day, and keep fighting boxing fans. Thank you.